0: I'm Matt Pikin, and Fridays on the Overlook belong to the West Asheville venue Story Parlor. They're holding down the first audio residency with the Overlook. Erin halligan Clare is the visionary behind Story Parlor, and I'm now turning the microphone over to her.
1: I'm Erin Halligan Clare, founder and artistic director of Story Parlor, a multidisciplinary art space in West Asheville dedicated to storytelling, creativity, and the exploration of the human experience. While the bulk of our calendar of classes and events are not only for the community, but by the community, Story Parlor produces a monthly Story Mixer series on third Fridays of each month themed events featuring a mix of narrative artists sharing everything from poetry, prose, music, comedy, storytelling, film, theater, and more. In excitement for our St. Patrick's Day Gathering of the Bard story mixer, today's episode is dedicated to art and stories that pay tribute to the magic, mysteries, muses, and influences of Celtic culture, all from local artists here in Western North Carolina. First up on today's episode, we'll hear music from Robin Bullock and Sue Richards, two of the featured musicians for the Gathering of the Bards, an award-winning American Masters of traditional Celtic music, drawing on Irish, Scottish, Welsh, and Breton traditions by blending together the ancient and magical tones of the Celtic harp with the powerful resonance of the steel string guitar and mandolin then stick around for an original story from british american artist and novelist julian davis just heard music from Sue Richards and Robin Bullock, a Celtic chamber duo with this song from their debut CD, Highland Ramble. Up next, we'll hear a story from Julian Davis. Based here in Asheville, English-born Julian Davis has painted the American South since 1988, and his novel, A History of Saints, a comedy set in Asheville during the Great Recession, was a semi-finalist for the 2022 Thurber Prize for American Humor. For Story Parlor's St. Patrick's Day inspired Gathering of the Bard story mixer, Julian will speak on the significant cultural impact of the Scottish borders on Appalachian and broader American culture. But here he reads from a different and more lighthearted story in progress, a piece of historical fiction also springing from the place of his forebears.
2: On a walking trip across the Scottish borders, I visited the ruins of the great abbeys that had suffered so much during the centuries of war between England and Scotland. At the same time, I was looking for stories, carrying an old book on the history of animal trials, both secular and ecclesiastical. In medieval and early modern times, the secular courts had dealt with crimes committed by, say, a rampant bull or pig, The church courts, however, dealt with smaller culprits, infestations by rats or flies, birds, weevils and more. They were show trials for the church to establish its power over its flock. It could not lose. If an infestation ended, it proved God's intervention. If it continued, it was a call for a renewal of faith. At Jedborough, a particular detail of history jumped out at me that in 1548 the border town had been garrisoned for Catholic Scotland by French forces. This little detail from the most turbulent years of the Scottish Reformation, when the Augustinian Abbey there had barely a decade left before John Knox changed Scottish faith entirely, gave me an idea. A connection to the mention of a celebrated French animal lawyer in my old book, This Way Stories Are Born. Here is an extract. I hurried after the friar through the early light. The abbot was waiting for us. What do you say to this? he asked, handing me a small but heavy oak arms box. The lid was open. The friar and I looked inside. Aside from a few blades of grass and some traces of slime, the little prison was empty. Gone, the abbot told us. All of them. And no escaped, I'm sure of it. The lid was closed when I came in. Unnecessarily he roamed his fat fingers around the vacant confines of the jail in my hands. The five slugs were clearly missing. They had help then. The wee ones. The friar grinned at me. I didn't have to think for long. The executioner, I volunteered, is he still here? The abbot looked surprised. He's gone. We already looked. You suspected him. It did seem suspicious, I said. A swordsman, slugs. You might have said something. The abbot took the arms box and placed it on his desk. The man was clearly a heretic, a lying Calvinist. Come here to shame us. I'm sorry, I said. I was tired. It's a long journey from Paris, and I don't know the customs here. I gathered myself... It's a pity this situation has arisen. There was no need to pick out any slugs in the first place. The abbot looked hurt. We thought we were doing you a favour. It was Brother David's idea. Brother David seemed pleased with himself. I found them in the monastery gardens. I picked the five biggest, the fatties. The guilty ones I'll warrant. Still eating away they were. What I could see of his face, between a flattened thatch of hair and a tangled beard, was beaming. Now, I spoke slowly, explaining as if to children. The court does not arrest individual suspects. That is not how it works. The procedure is as follows. Bills are posted to tell the slugs to be present at trial on such and such a day. Have you already posted such notices, as we asked? No, Brother David spoke for his superior. Slugs can't read. The policy, I continued, is to post such a summons. When the vermin do not arrive for their trial, which always happens, then I make an argument for their absence. The prosecution then accuses the creatures of shirking their duty. Where is the prosecutor anyway? I'm not sure, said the abbot thoughtfully. He went to the window. Several panes of glass were missing. He looked out past the scaffold into the hills, turning to green as the day began. He's still missing, he said. Armstrong's, guessed the friar, serious and delighted all at once. Or Graham's. I went on. A final notice is posted, warning your slugs that if their behaviour continues, they face anathema. "'excommunication,' I explained. "'Sometimes we offer them the chance "'to leave the vicinity instead. "'So they're always guilty.' "'No,' I said. "'My best defence has been that all God's creatures "'were in Eden before man "'and therefore given a prior right "'to eat what they choose.' "'Well,' said the abbot, "'as I said, we didn't know. "'We do not have such trials in these parts.' The monk interrupted him. What about that pig they hung in Berwick for killing that wee child? God's blood, can you even hang a slug? I told you, I interrupted him. The church does not deal with pigs or cows or bulls or wolves. seulement les plus petits animaux, only the smallest. You understand? Perhaps now we should change course, revert to church policy post a summons. It's too late, said the abbot. Everyone in town knows we already found five guilty suspects. I suggested the obvious. What if we just go out and find five more slugs to replace these? (laughs) The abbot laughed. I've thought of that, he said. That's what they'd want. Then they'd show the first five around and make it look like Rome doesn't know what it's doing. "'Well, in a way, you don't know what you're doing,' I said. "'Friar David spoke up, his face red with a new idea. "'Do you know where they're going?' "'Where?' said the abbot. "'They were clearly a pair, these two. "'To Edinburgh, eh? "'The friar joined the old man at the window "'and put his heavy arm across his shoulders. "'He pointed north. "'That swordsman!' "'We'll take them there, and John Knox himself "'will convert them to heresy. Five more Protestants to go out in the world "'as we shiny evangelists. "'Wisharts boys turning other slugs into Lutherans "'and Calvinists, aye, and even converting snails they meet. "'I can see it now.' "'The abbot looked horrified. Ay, he whispered. "'I very much doubt it,' I said.' Is it not possible they were merely taken out of here and freed at once? The abbot turned to me. That will be the simple answer, he said. No, brother David's right. They're away to Edinburgh and you must go after them. Save their souls. Bring them back here so they can stand trial and be burned or whatever. It was clear the abbot was as mad as his monk. I won't last a day out there, I protested. As always, he was ready. Of monks here of such a violent and dreadful disposition as to break any head in Liddesdale, they'll go with you, and so will Brother David. I could only speak aloud in disbelief. This is impossible. Where am I? The abbot smiled. You're in the Borders.
0: Erin Fowler is a commercial photographer. You can find her on Instagram as Scraps of Lace. She specializes in photographing couples and has a real knack for capturing just the right scenes at weddings. But she also takes on the role of event planner. Say you come to Erin wanting engagement photos. On the day of the shoot, Erin could bring you to a vineyard
1: we might set up a day of them playing games because they love to just play together. Or if they like nature more, then maybe we're doing a hike and then we're finding a place like a covered bridge to like set up their games. And they're sitting there and they're having some drinks and playing their games and including that in their special day because that's something they love to do all the time.
0: Erin also prepares for the unexpected.
1: Like I have an emergency kit and in it I have first aid stuff. I have fleece lined leggings. I have sunscreen. I have Like all the things.
0: So if you want a photographer who sees more than what shows up through her lens, look up Erin Fowler at ScrapsOfLacePhotography.com or on Instagram as ScrapsOfLace.
1: We just heard music from Robin Bullock and Sue Richards, as well as prose from Julian Davis, as we offer an ode to Celtic culture with this St. Patrick's Day inspired episode. Up next, we'll hear an original composition by Jamie Lavelle, a performer, composer, and storyteller based in Tryon, North Carolina, who has devoted himself exclusively to traditional Celtic music for the past three decades. Then stick around for original poetry and music from Adrian Rice, an artist originally from Belfast, now residing in Hickory, North Carolina, followed by a song from local multidisciplinary artist Micah Sun.
3: SERPENTS IN THE HEART When Patrick preached of redeeming blood, Rinshevny spurned the druidic brood and turned to the adoration of God. But cloven tongues still lingered in neighbouring woods, and in his dreams the saint was strangely troubled. Night after night the vision came, Ulster torched by the spirit's fire, Each region kindled by the power That drives the hard blood of men. All save the island of Rinshevne, So named since bounded by an underground stream. What then lurked in that place Where Patrick had raised the first church tower In his Lord Christ's name? What hidden stream of the heart sought to douse the spirit's flame.
4: Red dawn is at breaking, and sleep is glad and
5: Like a son, I'm going to be performing at the St. Patrick's Day night show at the Story Parlor in Asheville. And I've got a song poem that I set to music a few years ago by William Allingham, who was an Irish poet who was writing in the late 1800s. It's called The Fairies. It's very popular. You've heard of fairies, right? Up the airy mountain down the rushy glen we daren't go a-hunting for fear of little men we folk good folk trooping all together green jacket, red cap and white owl's feather fairies like to troop together and wear this particular outfit green jacket, red cap White Owl's Feather. Down along the rocky shore, some make their home. They live on crispy pancakes of yellow tide foam. Some on the reeds of the Black Mountain Lake, with frogs for their watchdogs all night awake. The old king sits He is now so old and gray He's nigh lost his wits With the bridge of white mist Cumblekill he crosses On his stately journeys From League to Rosses Or going up with music On cold starry nights To sup with the queen of the gay northern lights Up the airy mountain, down the rushy glen We daren't go hunting for fear of little men We folk, good folk, trooping all together Jacket, red cap, and white owl's feather. Here's the sad part. They stole little Bridget for seven years long. When she came down again, her friends were all gone. So they took her lightly back between the night and morrow. They thought that she was fast asleep, but she was dead with sorrow. So they kept her ever since, deep within the lake, on a bed of flag leaves, watching till she wake. By the craggy hillside, through the mosses bare, They have planted thorn trees for pleasure here and there And if anyone so daring as to dig them up in spite He shall find their sharpest thorns In their bed at night Up the airy mountain, down the rushy glen We daren't go hunting. For fear of little men We folk, good folk Trooping all together Green jacket, red cap And white owl's feather And white owl's feather See you on St. Patrick's Day night At the Story Parlor
1: I'm Erin Halligan Clare, founder and artistic director at Story Parlor. Thanks to Matt Pikin and The Overlook for inviting us to take part in this audio residency. And thanks to the incredible artists who are featured in the celebration of Celtic culture, including Robin Bullock, Sue Richards, Adrian Rice, Julian Davis, Jamie Lavelle, and Micah Sun. You can find out more about them and what they're up to or learn more about the upcoming Gathering of the Bards Story Mixer held on St. Patrick's Day by visiting the Story Parlor website at www.storyparloravl.com. This episode has been presented by Story Parlor a multidisciplinary art space in West Asheville dedicated to storytelling, creativity, and the exploration of the human experience with a robust calendar of events and classes for the community and by the community.